Welcome to Practically Political. It's great to have you back. I'm Dave Spencer. And I'm Carrie Sheffield. Let's get right to it, Dave. So I got to ask you, I interviewed the governor of Alaska, Congressman Steve Scalise, and I also spoke to the Utah uh, energy development officer, and all of them said that Joe Biden is talking out of two sides of his mouth when it comes to renewables and critical minerals. So all those states are rich in critical minerals, and they say that Joe Biden does not care about U.S. producers being able to drill underground and get these critical minerals that are used, you know, lithium batteries and and all the clean energy projects. Um, What say you? Do you think Biden actually cares about this as far as helping domestic producers? Well, there's, there's two issues here. There's energy and there's minerals. And I think sometimes people conflate the two. And as, you, as you've heard me say before, we have one party that's talked about getting rid of fossil fuels and we have another party that's gone from debating on how to address climate change to largely denying it. I think the administration has been slow, but they've changed they, to the consternation of environmentalists. They opened up for drilling in Alaska. They also just made an investment in America's really primary mineral company, MP Minerals. So they've been slow out of the gate, but they're finally getting it. And they realize if they want to bring manufacturing home as is one of Biden's big things and have our own supply chain, they're, they're going to have to do that. So I think that they've, they're, they're, they've been slow off the gate, but they're getting better. So again, I think if you talk to people that weren't Republicans and you talk to people that were on both sides, as I always try to do, you would get a different answer. But obviously, the Steve Scalises of the world aren't going to be very flattering of the administration. What say you? Well, uh, they told me, they talked about Willow. So you mentioned this new program that was approved. They said that that's, it's tiny, tiny. It's a drop in the bucket. And the counterbalance is that he he had 16 million acres of land that he put off limits. So they basically said it it kind of wipes out any sort of progress um, that he's doing. And so that was frustrating. And, and Steve Scalise, part of why I talked to him is Republicans had an energy package that's pending right now that would speed up the permitting for critical minerals as well as the other drilling. Well, I also want to say one thing, too, that there's been a little misleading as you always hear about, oh, the administration won't issue new oil leases. There are so many oil leases that have been issued that aren't being used right now. So that's a little bit of a red herring that uh, a lot of Republicans have have thrown in. But my question for you is simply that the Republican Party always talks about wanting to move past Donald Trump. And frankly, I don't blame them because other than 2016, he's been a loser every time. But no candidates are willing to criticize him or take him on. Amazingly, they're willing to criticize Ron DeSantis, but they're not willing to to criticize Trump. So, you know, what do you suggest that the party does to finally get out of this morass? Because it looks like the grand old party is heading for another loss in 2024 if Trump isn't derailed. Well, okay, that's a lot to unpack. I would say if you look at the polling, Trump is actually doing pretty well against Biden, DeSantis is as well. So this idea that the party wants to move past Trump, I think that's only some people within the party want to move past Trump. And then also you do have people like Mike Pence, you have people like Ron DeSantis even this week taking shots at Trump. So there is definitely that. And you have Mike Pompeo actually said something about my the administration I was in spent way too much. 
And so he did call out the fiscal profligacy of the Trump administration. So, but I do think overall, there is a sense that Trump has never been treated fairly at all. And that's why people feel, feel like he should be given a chance. Um, his entire administration was, you know, millions of dollars of taxpayer money being spent to investigate conspiracy theories like the Mueller report, which came out as a nothing burger. So uh, as far as the collusion, and then you have this this ridiculous um, brag uh, possible indictment, which the feds themselves uh, shut the case. And you have the attorney from Michael Cohen himself saying that there was no reimbursement. So it all seems a distraction. So I think a lot of people think, just give the man a chance. Um, but again, I'm open. I'm not choosing a horse in this race, but I think that uh, this notion uh, that you can somehow uh, completely throw Trump to the rubbish bin, it's just, that's not where the party is. And if anything, Trump is actually getting stronger right now. Well, again, I'm not talking about throwing to the rubbish bin. I'm just saying you have to take him on. Okay. And the bottom line is even Mike Pence, you know, he, this is a guy who's lot who's the life of both him and his family, Trump endangered. And he still wouldn't even say that if Trump's the nominee, that he, that he won't vote for him. The only Republican who said that he won't vote for Donald Trump if he's a nominee is Larry Hogan, and he's not even running. So my point is Trump has, it's all about winning. If, if the party wants to win, Trump, even in 2016, Hillary lost more than Trump won. And you look at every other election, Mitch McConnell is minority leader because of Trump. He's lost, he's lost, he's lost, he's lost. He's a loser. Ron DeSantis is a winner. The only winning thing in, in 2022 for the, midter for the midterms, really, in terms of a, of a landslide, was Florida. And so they, they should at least treat the, the candidates equally. Well, we shall see. Well, let's move on. Um, I got to ask you, Dave, I've been actually curious because you're out there living in San Francisco. What do you think about Silicon Valley Bank? Do you think that Janet Yellen and, and company and, and, and the crew, do you think they should have bailed out Silicon Valley Bank? Well, I think what they're trying to do, you know, this is, this is a complicated thing, Gary, because what they're trying to do, which I agree, is they're trying to bail out the depositors, but not the investors. And I think that's an important difference because in the financial crisis of 2008, everybody got bailed out. Nobody was held accountable. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, why the Tea Party exists and why there was so much resistance and why the blue-collar blue voters, frankly, started going to the Republican Party because they thought, you know, the Democrats are in charge. No one's being held accountable. So I agree with all that. So they're trying to change that. And also, in all fairness, the, there has been a lot of talk from the Elizabeth Warrens of the world that if the 2018 change hasn't hadn't been put through that required banks of only 50 billion and not 250 i mean banks that were uh 50 billion instead of 250 billion to have to go through some of the rules that would have made a difference it might have made a little bit of a difference but the what caused this was basically bad management and uh overextension and buying bonds at too low of a rate and the fed knew that they had said they were going to raise rates so i think this is a bad bad management issue and I think that that it will pass. I don't think we're going to have a crisis. But I do agree with bailing out investors, not shareholders. But I think there should be a limit. They're talking about $5 million. I think that's too high. How about you? Hmm. Well, I, I mean, I think it's very interesting. I think it's creating moral hazard because 
you know, initially they said, oh, you're, you're not systemically important. And then magically you morph when things are happening. Okay. You are systemically important. Like that there's no signaling that's consistent. So I think that that's really problematic. And then when you look at the composition of who the depositors are and who's going to be in the end paying the extra fees, uh, to subsidize those, uh, depositors, it's basically in many cases, a middle-class subsidy for rich, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs who who were parking their cash there, and in some cases Chinese, uh, it was one of the biggest holders uh, for Chinese cash. Um, so American middle class people bailing out members of the Chinese Communist Party potentially, I think that's problematic. And I, I think that there was also you're you're totally right on the uh, the interest rates, and that's from my perspective a Joe Biden problem because Joe Biden and the Democrats in Congress created the inflation and then the Federal Reserve, they were already asleep at the wheel even before that all happened. Arguably, they were keeping interest rates too low um, and then they were slow to catch up. And um, so it, it was all this perfect storm and nobody's taking responsibility for the inflation. Um, and thankfully, we have a house that's going to stop, hopefully. Well, and, it, and we agree on that. It's a bipartisan problem on the spending. But uh, um, I think there are many layers to this, too. You're right. Well, spending is more of a Republican problem. If you look at the percentage of the national debt that accumulated under Republican administrations as opposed to Democratic ones, it's not even close. But putting that aside, I agree. I think there should be a limit. I think $5 million is too high. I think 250000 is too low. So what is, what, is the, what is the sweet spot? And it's a little simplistic to say that it was you know Chinese people being bailed out. I think, yes, Chinese invest in VCs, but but uh, they're still VCs. And I think you, it's, you need to keep the entrepreneurial spirit going. But my question for you, second question, involves Vladimir Putin. He has been just quite frankly cocky. He's been going to Crimea. He's been meeting with President Xi of China. And why shouldn't he be? Because not only did the former president, who is now the leading candidate to be the Republican nominee, but his leading challenger have both basically said that they don't really care that much about Ukraine, that it's a territorial dispute. And of course, Trump, as being Trump, said that that uh, that Putin was savvy to in invade Ukraine, that it was a brilliant move. So how can we, and by the way, if he gets away with it, do you think he's gonna stop? So simpletons like Matt Gates in Congress are saying, I'm not gonna invest a single dollar. Well, <laughs> you know what? If you if he if he takes over Ukraine, you're going to be investing a lot more in terms of blood and treasure when we have to defend the Baltics. So, how can we have such irresponsible talk about our national security? Ronald Reagan must be rolling in his grave from the two leading Republican candidates. I know DeSantis has tried to walk it back, but it's too late. Yeah, well, I mean, Reagan, uh, you know, I just was at an event uh, to honor Ronald Reagan's speech that he gave before the evangelicals, um, where he talked about uh, the evil empire, and he called out the Soviet Union as evil. And it was the first time that he actually used moral terms to describe the Soviet regime. And it it, it made some people in the press corps a little, little you know, grab this, clutch the pearls, you know, pull out the smelling salts because um, they couldn't handle the president actually using moral terms to describe the evilness that was the Soviet Union. Because you're talking about tens of millions of people murdered, starved. Oh, we we eaten, agree. We agree. Yeah. 
So I, th- I think when you look at um, which party is willing to actually describe the CCP um, and, and what Xi is doing it, it w- and also with Putin, um, there's no question that uh, conservatives ab- absolutely understand that risk. I, I think the other thing about Reagan was that he said, we need peace through strength. Um, so I think that that you shouldn't have just a focus on one or the other. And arguably, I think there were some Republicans who were too focused on the strength aspect of it, and they were forgetting the peace aspect of it. That was the beauty of Ronald Reagan was that he he walked that line of both. So I, I think that there is a way to be clear eyed and say, well, yeah, what Vladimir Putin has done is evil. I think the um, International Criminal Court, they, they, you know, they issued a warrant for his arrest. Uh, it's not going to go anywhere. It's meaningless. And I think it, it actually was weakness to do that because it's just going to be ignored and it looks totally impotent. There's no legal ramifications because Russia is not party to that treaty at all. So it's it's not going to have any impact. So it, it makes the, the West look weak. Um, but at the same time, I think that, uh, again, look, I know you and I disagree about Trump and Russia because the concrete steps that Trump took against Russia, I think, prevented, it's the only president uh, presidential term since George W. Bush where Russia did not invade some form of the the, fir- the former Eastern Bloc. So you had Georgia under George W. Bush, you had Crimea under Obama, and now you have the rest of Ukraine okay. under this president. So I think it's the reverse. I think that Trump and also DeSantis believe in peace through strength, but you kind of want to go back to that old frame of the George W. Bush neocon lens, and I think that's problematic. Well, that was, that was a, a, a heck of a speech, but the question was, in terms of our policy and, and poor Reagan must be rolling in his grave, you know, listening to Trump and DeSantis. And, and by the way, all I can say is when Trump was elected, Putin partied. It was the happiest day of his life. Now, there was there any proof of collusion? No. But certainly he was pulling for Trump. He always was. We've been through on this show before why Trump is Putin's puppet. So we're not going to get into that again. But what I've said again is that this is a typical thing. He calls him savvy. He calls say he was brilliant to in, invade. And then Ron DeSantis, being the mini-me, once again, not criticizing, says, oh, yeah, it's a territorial dispute. So this is, again, it shows you how far, in terms of foreign policy, the Republican Party has fallen and why Putin has never felt more emboldened. And again, I'm worried because he doesn't have to win in 22 or 23. He doesn't have to win in 24. He's counting on Americans having a short attention span, which we do, and he's counting on Republican uh, resistance growing. And I hate to say it, but there's a good chance he's going to be proven right on both counts. Well, we can we I think we can go back and forth on this because I mean Ron DeSantis he's a, he's a former Navy JAG and uh, he understands military intelligence. He's no, oh, he's no wow, wimp. So I, I don't think he's, I, I don't think he, he underestimates Putin or what he's doing. I, I think in some respects, he's actually um, right-sizing who Putin is in the sense that Putin's military is so decrepit I and mean, he, he's a joke. So I, I, I think agree. it's actually good to belittle him. And, but, that's, and, but that's not the question. Sorry. I mean, he, he's a, by, by basically 
uh, cry, you know, kissing the ring of China, um, Putin is is one is basically going to become a vassal state of China. So if anything, this has actually made him even more weak because now he's having to beg to someone, you know, a bigger superpower. Um, so all around, I think that the 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 real threat here is China, and I think that Ron DeSantis understands that, and so does Trump. I mean, Trump of, of all all Republicans in recent years has been the strongest voice against China. And China, if Russia pulls out a victory against the Ukraine, it will be because of China and because of weakness. And I will give Dave Mark this. I'm giving some credit to the Biden administration in some respects for for keeping some strong policies against China, not even close to what I would like uh, in terms of even our energy policy. Um, but I think that they have kept some things in place from the Trump administration. They need to go further. But that is the real problem as it relates to Russia and Ukraine is if if China comes in and swoops in. And so that's where Biden needs to be stronger. Well, again, all I can say is, uh, you know, talk is one thing, walk is another. And all I hear from Trump supporters is, oh, he was so tough on China. China has never been more emboldened than they were under the Trump administration because they knew he was, he was weak. He, he, he did these tariffs, which were just taxes on working people. That, that's all they were. And then he had to bail out farmers with billions of taxpayer money that was wasted. China was more aggressive in the China Sea than ever. The South China Sea, they were more aggressive uh, all over. They were more uh, restrictive at home. So China and again, Russia, have never been more cocky than they were under under Donald Trump. So again, you can talk about how all these policies were so tough, but the behavior is a better indicator than the so-called tough policies. But as usual, we will have to agree to respectfully disagree, but it's always respectful. And uh, my name is, once again, is David Spencer. It's always wonderful to have you on Practically Political, and we'll see you next time. Now, 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 now,